Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. All right, well, hey, we're going to continue in our series on relationships. Uh, Why did you open up your Bibles to the book of James chapter 3? If you joined us last week, you know that we launched a series last week. Um, And how many of you know that life can get messy, right? Because people are messy. Uh, And last week, I kind of got up in your grill a little bit, didn't I? Right? and, And we talked about how relationships and the foundation of good relationships, we must understand this principle that it starts with us, right? It's so easy for us in this world to place blame on others, to look at how everyone else is at fault. But last week we were challenged to this message of looking in the mirror. And no, it's not just a song by Brother Michael Jackson that's starting with the man in the mirror. Come on, somebody, right? We know, uh, come on, it's okay to talk about Michael Jackson in church. Um, But anyway, uh, today we're going to continue with this series, and today I want to talk to you about this idea about how our words matter. Our words truly do matter. And so in the book of James chapter 3, we're going to read verses 12, I'm sorry, 2 through 12, and it says this, indeed, we all make many mistakes. Come on. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. Had a pastor once say to me, if you can bridle your tongue, you can bridle your body. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong. Verse 5, in the same way, in the same way, say with me, in the same way. The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Listen to this. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. James does not mince words. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Hello. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one, even the Tiger King. Come on, I just want to make sure you're awake. No one can tame the tongue. It's okay to laugh in church. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Look at this. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Father, we thank you for your word today. I'm asking God that your spirit would empower us to... As we are challenged by your word today uh, to live out that which you've called us to live out. Help us, God. Help us learn how to use our words well. Help us, God, understand that there is power 
of death and life in the tongue. And if that's the case, God, we better make our words matter. And so I pray, Spirit of God, today, use even my words today through your spirit to speak to us all. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our ears. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Growing up, I know you're looking at me right now, you can't tell, but growing up, I was a skinny, scrawny kid. You know, I know I look huge now and I'm really swole and all that. Um, but, you know, I was a skinny, scrawny kid uh, that, that constantly got picked on. And uh, it, it didn't help that I had a bowl cut with, you know, the part down the middle. And I had buck teeth. They called me Bugs Bunny. Come on, braces. You know, and um, it didn't help that I immigrated from Central America and didn't know that shorts weren't supposed to be worn up above your belly button and tucked in a polo shirt. You know, I, I, let's just say I was, I was not the popular kid in school, right? But there was one thing that you could bank on, and that's that I was going to always get in trouble for talking too much in class. My poor parents spent every weekend dealing with principal after vice principal after administrator and all their emails and phone calls about, your son is great, but he just can't keep his mouth shut. And I, I know it's hard for you to kind of believe that, you know, especially because, you know, also, by the way, I think it's pretty ironic how God has a sense of humor. The very thing I used to get in trouble for, I now get paid to do, right? It's like that thing that the enemy tried to steal from me. The Lord has returned a hundredfold. Anyway, um, and so I, I remember I was probably in the seventh grade. And, and at this point, man, uh, they, they had tried everything with me. They had tried everything. And at this point, it's your son's going to get kicked out of school if he can't shut his mouth during class. And so my dad brings me into his office because, by the way, I'm a pastor's kid for better or for worse. And so he had a home office and he brought me into his home office and it's lined with all these books. And, you know, my dad is this wise man of God and he sits me down and he goes, son, mijo, tenemos que hablar. We need to talk. We need to speak. We need to talk about how much you're talking in school. And, um, so uh, I said, Dad, I just, I just can't help myself. I just can't control myself. It just kind of comes out of me. And then before I know it, I'm just talking. And so he opens up the Bible and he opens up to James 3. And he says, I want you to go into your room. And you're not going to come out until you memorize this scripture. That was my first encounter with the book of James chapter 3. I came out of my room a new man. <laughs> But, you know, skinny, scrawny, little Tony had a lot of power with his words. And much like skinny, scrawny, little Tony, the tongue is this small little member in our body that has so much more power than maybe you and I give it credit for. And, and, and today... You and I must understand that, yes, the hardest thing to bridle is this small thing called the tongue that, by the way, gets more exercise throughout the day than any muscle in your body. But it is not impossible. I know we just read, man, it's impossible. You know, you can do this with animals, you can do that. But I don't want to confuse you by contradicting what we just read in Scripture. But I hope to break out in the next 30-ish to 55-ish minutes what it really means to bridle our tongue. Because it is 
possible because the reality is this is you and I are unable to do it. But with the help of the spirit of God, you and I can learn how to bridle our tongues. Let me tell you this. uh, There's been many different studies out there that show that the average working adult will speak anywhere from 7,000 to 15,000 words per day, depending on their profession. By the way, there's a joke out there that says women speak more than men. Uh, I'm sorry, I was born, so I actually tip the scales for the men. I I got you guys. So if you do some rough math, and I went to Bible college where they didn't have math classes, so the rough math is this, is is anywhere from 1 million to 1.5 million words can be spoken by the average person in 60 years. We better make them count. So we read in the book of James, chapter 3, this idea of bridling the tongue. By the way, in the Bible world, James is known as the New Testament Proverbs. Uh, And and James doesn't mince any words. In, In fact, I can't wait for us to do a series on the book of James, and you've heard me say this before, the Proverbs a day keeps the stupid away. Uh, Well, James knew how to keep the stupid away. And here's, here's what I have learned is I can either build up or I can destroy with my words. There, there's a small part of my body that can either be controlled by my body or it can control my entire body. I'll say it to you this way. If you can't control your speech, then how do you expect to be able to control or bridle anything else in your life? So I want to give you three things about this idea about our words matter. So number one, I got to tell you this is what we say matters. What I say matters. James 3, 9 through 12. Sometimes it praises our Lord. Look at this. This is what our tongue does. It praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Some of you have said this or have heard this. Uh, You kiss your mother with that mouth, right? Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out, both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If it's not clear to you yet, we have a choice to make. What do we use our tongue for? Because what I say matters. James here in chapter 3 describes the tongue with six different pictures. There's the bit, the rudder, the fire, a poisonous animal, a fountain, and a fig tree. Did you guys catch that imagery? Six different ways that James described. Well, theologians would categorize these six images into three different categories. And so number one, this first category is words can direct. So we see the bit and the rudder. This is going to be on the screen. There we go. Words can direct. Have you ever considered where you're leading others with your words? Have you ever considered where you're directing yourself with your words? Ladies, I picked on you last week. I'm going to pick on you again this week. Don't worry, gentlemen. I'm coming after you too. (laughs) 
Where are you directing the life of your husband when all you're doing is talking bad behind his back or talking down to him? Right? You get together with your girls and, oh, girl, my husband too. Or is it, man, I believe in that man. Man, I believe who God has called him to be. Man, I'm telling you, his, his, his personality, God's going to use. Right? Who, he, who he's becoming in the Lord. Come on, I'm trying to help. I thought I'd get a lot more amens from the men today on this. Come on, I'm trying to help you gentlemen out. Right? And, and it goes vice versa. Gentlemen, and I know not everyone in the room is married or, or not yet married, but come on. If you're married, gentlemen, what, where are your words directing your wife? She just doesn't. She just never. She just keeps. Come on, I'm right, speaking to somebody. Or, or is it men? She is my bride. That beautiful woman who I fell in love with. My, my only heart is given to only to her. Man, baby, I, I love you. Thank you for all that you do. Man, the way you raise our children. Come on, we all want to brag about the Proverbs 31 woman, right? But we never want to give her the accolade she deserves. The ladies helped me out on that one, but where are the men on the other one? Where are you directing one another? Parents, where are you directing your children with your words? You're just so this. You guys just won't. Am I the only one that does that at times? I'm exposing myself here. Yeah. Or is it I believe what God is putting in you? So son, I've got to call you up to this. No son, that, 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 that doesn't align to the identity of a child of God. So I'm going to call you into it. What I say matters. What are you saying to your friends? Oh, here you go. We, uh, we talked about this last week. Here she comes with a new pair of shoes again. No, it's girl, you look great. Right? We need those friends that, that, are, that are calling us up, that are speaking life into us. Man, I, I see all that God has in you. Man, I believe in the future God has for you. Man, I'm telling you, you might be down and out right now, but I'm telling you, I'm right here with you. What I say matters. Your friend is down in the dumps. Uh, it's not, I wonder what you did to get yourself in this situation. No, it's, I'm here. I'll sit with you. I'll pray with you. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. What I say matters. Am I talking to somebody today? Words can direct. And it can direct to a good place or to a bad place. Number two, words can destroy. There it is, the fire and this poisonous animal. The words can destroy fire and animal. In other words, I've got a choice to make. Do I destroy with my words or do I build up with my words? Do I tear down with my words? Do I speak down to people? Or do I build people up? The third thing that words can do is they can delight. We see the fountain and the tree. Are your words bringing joy or are they bringing sorrow? By the way, it's not talking about delighting in the wrong thing. 
Because some of us use our words to delight in other people's failures, if we're honest. Don't try to act like I don't see your social media. Come on, our words can delight, and they must delight in the right thing. Right? We read this as we closed last week's service, how the definition of love, it delights in what? In the good things. Right? So my words can either bring joy or they can bring sorrow. What I say matters. Now, if we're going to talk about what we say, then there's something that must be understood first. And that is found in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 43. And it says this, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a a bramble bush. The good person, look at this, there is good and there's evil. This ain't my words. This is Jesus speaking right here. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. I really got to push into this a little bit. Some of you have lost sight of what you say matters. And then when you get called out on it, you go, well, you know my heart. But my Bible says that out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. So what you say is a reflection of what is in your heart. And so if we're going to be concerned about what we say, come on, you got to do the math with me. Naturally, we got to watch what we're letting in. Because what we let in eventually comes out. Are you with me on this? So it's not just the external stuff as much as what I internalize. So the question is begging to be asked, what are you letting into your life? What a man thinks, so he does. What are you feeding your heart with? What are you feeding your mind with? What are you feeding your soul with? And, and I'm getting down to the nitty gritty. What are your conversations like? Because that feeds you. Yes. What, 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 what kind of relationships do you have? Who, and I'm talking about who, who's your closest circle of friends? We're going to talk about this in the relationship series. Because yes, we are all called to have a sphere of influence. And I believe there's at least 8 to 15 people in your life that you are called to bring to the Lord. And you're going to influence them for the better. But, but let me just, let's remove them for a second. I'm talking about the people that speak in your life. What are they saying in your life? Who are you letting speak in your life? What is the source? What's their source? When it comes to, for example, now you're facing an issue and you've got to learn to forgive somebody. Are they the person that is your close friend, the kind of person that goes, just cancel them, just forget about them? Or is it the person that's going, this is what the Word of God says? Are you hearing me on this? What are you letting into your head? What are you letting into your mind? Man, I really want to get all up in your grill today and know this is not a political statement. In fact, I hate that it's become a political statement, but I just want to just plainly even say, what news are you letting into your head? 
Like some of y'all are so concerned about all this negativity. Here's, can I just tell you something, by the way? Can I just say something real quick? I have some people that are like, well, I'm just playing the devil's advocate. And you know what I've learned? The devil advocates for himself enough. Can I just say that? Like, so like if you're here and you're like, well, I'm just like, I'm going to just play the, don't. And if you got friends like that, like talk to them about this and, and be mindful of what they're, what you're letting in. Because the devil don't need no more advocating. And my Bible says that the Holy, Holy Spirit's the one that advocates for me. But the devil is the one that comes to kill, steal, destroy, bring confusion. He's the one that comes after the brethren, right? By, by what? Accusing them. Oh, that's a different story for a different time, y'all. But what are you feeding your heart with? What's your conversation like? What are your relationships like? What do you watch on television? Come on, I'm not trying to get religious here on you. I grew up in a church where, man, at, at youth camps and youth conferences, if you were listening to this kind of music, you were forced to come to the altar and break the CDs and burn them in a pile. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. But, like, are you mindful of what's on your Netflix feed? Like, do you, do you really think that you're zoning out to that and that it's not influencing your spirit? Because eventually it will come out. Young person in the room, let me talk to you about your social media feed. Okay, you might think, nah, this is just a thing or it's just what everybody else does. I'm telling you, it influences you. You want to know why you have a hard time not rebelling against your parents? I love you, young people. And my youth director is right there. This is why he doesn't have me preach on a Wednesday. I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Matthew 15, 17 to 20. I'm still on my first point. I, I got to keep moving here. Do you not see what, that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? Ooh. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and it defiles a person. You've heard this. You are what you eat. It started in the Bible. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. My words can destroy or they can build up. What I let in will eventually come out. Proverbs 18. I know I'm giving you a lot of Bible, but just I'm letting it speak for itself. Proverbs 18, 20 to 21. From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So if both death and life are in the power of the tongue, according to Scripture, then what you are choosing each time you open your mouth matters. i got to say that again. If death and life are in the power of the tongue, then what you are choosing to speak every time you open your mouth matters. You can speak death or you can speak life. You can speak encouragement or you can speak discouragement. By the way, I also believe, and in this church, we believe there is power in our declarations. We do believe that God 
has designed us in such a way that there are, there's power in our words. Now, I'm not getting into claim that million dollar home and then you're going to get it. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. In fact, that's honestly, I just got to say that that's laughable to me. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it devalues the power that God has given the declaration according to his word and his will. And again, that's another, another sermon for another time. But I, I want to I encourage you to choose to speak the right thing at the right time. You can speak powerfully into a situation. By the way, speaking in, into a situation doesn't mean I ignore it. Let's say you're in the middle of a desert season. Let's say you're in the middle of some difficult stuff. You're, I'm not saying, I'm going to get through this. And in Jesus' name, everything's okay. Like, no. Like, recognize, I can recognize my feelings. I can recognize my emotion. I can be honest with God about what I need. And in that, I declare the truth of His word and His promises. God, I'm desperate. God, I'm hurting. God, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield around me. But you, O oh God, have my best interests at heart. But you, O oh Lord, will empower me beyond my ability. But you, right? Like, that is a declaration worthy to be said. What I say matters. It, and I think Proverbs here, it kind of brings a whole new meaning of you are what you eat, right? It's like what, what you say is also feeding you. Uh, speaking of food, uh, I know it's not the second service, but it's a great segue into my second point today. And that is how we season our words. Because number two, how I say it matters. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be, look at this, gracious. It's up on the screen. Here we go. Gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I'm just honest. I'm just brutally honest. Take me as I am, world. I just, I just speak the truth. Not in love. Just speak the truth. The truth is the truth. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. Do you notice how how you say things matters just as much as what you say? Can I get honest with you about what happens in my house at times? Sophia and I, we've been married for 15 years. And how many of you know that you don't get there without a few fights here and there? One of the things that Sophia has asked me to work on is to be quicker to recognize my fault and apologize quicker rather than digging in my heels. Because, come on, men and women, you dig your heels sometimes. Have you ever been wrong and you know you're wrong, but you just won't let it go? Am I the only one? So one of the things we've been working on is, Tony, it, it would be so much simpler if you would just recognize it quickly, and it's a quick forgive, it's a quick move forward, we don't have to fight about, like, it's just a, a and so, I'm really exposing myself here, and so I've been really quick to say, sorry, did you see that? Yeah, I know I'm wrong, I'm sorry. 
or no eye contact. Sorry. <laughs> or, I said I was sorry. <laughs> you asked for a quick apology, here it is. <laughs> I'm exposing myself. But I'm not the only one. Why? Because your body language matters. Listen to me. Listen to me. Your motive matters. Ooh, that's got to preach to somebody today. Your motive matters. Your posture matters. Your tone matters. The way you package it matters. Not just what I say, but how I say it matters. By the way, this isn't just for preachers. You know, we spend, I, I spend hours crafting a message. There's the study part, and then the other 50% of it is the packaging. It's these jokes. It's the body language. It's the tone. It's the inflections. It's the moments where I break things down, and now all of a sudden you're leading into me. It's when I give you something in progression, and I go from right to left, because you read from left to right, but for me on stage, it's right to left. But that doesn't just apply to a preacher. In our words, how we say things matter. The, the problem, though, is this, is we are so rushed. Oh, my Lord, hear me on this. We are so rushed that we treat words in a way that oftentimes reflects how quickly we forget their importance. I've come to learn that how I say something is directly tied to my willingness to first shut up, slow down, and listen. Have you ever read the book of James, chapter 1, verse 19? James doesn't mince any words. He basically says, shut your mouth. And don't be quick to speak. Be quick to listen. One of the things that I struggle with, but it's a, it's a saying that's been taught to me and I'm, I'm working on it, is I, I want to seek to understand rather than seek to be understood. And I, I understand that my position of how I say things is directly tied to my willingness to do that. If I am unwilling to slow down, if I just want to win the argument, I just want to say something, or let's say it's not an argument. Have you ever sat across the room from somebody or across the table from somebody, and you're talking, and you can tell they're not listening. They're just waiting for you to shut, shut up so they can talk. Yeah. They're like, and you feel rushed? And, it, and it's like, by the way, if you're that guy, don't be that guy. Slow down. Give yourself the room, the space to understand my words matter. And so my posture of being willing to listen is going to directly affect how I then speak. Your listening position oftentimes says more than words themselves can say. That was, that was really good, wasn't it, Lane? I feel like that was like almost like a reel, like you could cut that out. Okay. I'm going to say it again for those of you that didn't write it down and didn't put it on Twitter or whatever it's called now. Your listening position oftentimes says more than words themselves can say. 
Now, let me tell you, of course, there's going to be moments that we must defend ourselves, where we must defend someone, where we got to stand up for what's right, which is exactly why Paul in the book of Ephesians instructs us to speak the truth in love. By the way, the context of that, though, is also under a spiritual authority and how the church has been equipped with teachers, apostles, prophets, pastors, all that. And then from there, we receive the teaching in love. Okay, so I just want to give you that quick little preface in that. But, but my friend, when it comes to how you say things, it must be coated in love. There will be moments in your life where you'll have to stand up for what's right. But what's your motive? To prove somebody wrong? Or, or to love them through it? Like, these motives are going to drive how we say things. Can I get more honest with you? Okay. Thanks for the permission. I'll still do it even if you don't give me the permission. As a father of five children, and my wife is now on this new bandwagon where she says we've had our first litter of children. She wants another litter of children, she says. It is not going to happen, you guys. Because if my oldest son follows my footsteps, we'll be grandparents in five years. <laughs> so it ain't going to happen. <laughs> but, as a, but as a father of five children, I have been so challenged. Because how many of you know that five different personalities can create a lot of different conflict? Five opinions, five pieces of advice, five perspectives. Come on, parents out there. You know this. And some of you are like, this is why I stuck with one. God bless you. Okay. But the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, has been such a challenge to me as a father. And more than just in the fatherhood arena, it's been such a challenge in my life as a follower of Christ. Where it says this, Proverbs 15, 1 through 2. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Verse 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it, in it breaks the spirit. Verse 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the heart of fools. How I say things matter. How I say things matters. Because a soft answer turns away wrath. You've been in an argument with a six-year-old. And what's their go-to? To raise their voice. And some of you, like me, forget you're the adult in the room. And we're not called to match that level of argumentative spirit. But we're called to a soft answer turns away wrath. Now, this is not isolated to just child raising. This is not just isolated to a child. In fact, I really want to offend you with what I'm about to say, so let me just offend you and then let's move on with the offense. Is that okay? Uh, get ready for this. Some of you are still in a childlike state. And so your go-to is to raise your voice, is to get argumentative, is to get defensive. And my friend, 
By this time, like Paul says to the church, you should be eating meat. You should not just be sipping on a bottle like a baby. And it's time for you and I to grow into full maturity in the stature of Christ Jesus and learn how to turn away wrath with a soft answer. Yes. I hope I offended you. My third and final point. Who you say it to matters. What I say matters. How I say it matters. And who I say it to matters. In my 35 years of existence, by the way, some of the bikers on Friday thought I was 18, so that's cool. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm like, if I have five children at 18. <laughs> but they said I'm aging well to keep doing what I'm doing, so here we go. Here we are. But in my 35 years of existence, I, I've found this. I've yet to have a conversation, listen to me, that goes well if I haven't first talked to God about it. <laughs> who I say it to matters. I would change my third point and say who I say it to first matters. I've yet to have a successful conversation with good, lasting fruit and lasting outcome that I haven't first addressed with the Lord. There's yet to be a conflict I resolve well that I didn't first go to God to. I've had plenty of mishaps when I go and murmur with somebody else prior, though. I've had plenty of fruitless conversations that go nowhere when I first spend my time trash-talking with my buddy behind the scenes about it. By the way, I do have to say this. I, 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 I know I'm edgy sometimes. I know sometimes for some of you this can be a lot, but I, I just, it is what it is, okay? Um, like Aaron, my friend Aaron said, if you want a vanilla church, you can find another one down the street. Anyway. We've, we've modernized these concepts and we come up with these little modern cute sayings that aren't actually biblical or helpful. So instead of saying we're murmuring, we say we're just processing. Instead of slander, we say we're just trying to get their perspective. Instead of saying I'm trash talking somebody, we say, no, I just want to make sure that I wasn't wrong in what I was thinking. And my friend, who you speak to about what matters. We're going to talk about this in this, in this series about how to resolve conflict. I'm not an expert at it, but I believe Jesus laid it out so perfectly. Yeah. Right? When your brother sins against you, yes. you go into a back room and start trash talking him with all your other buddies. Yeah. No, but it's what we do. And I know you don't like to hear this, but it, like, you've been found out. It's what you do. It is what we do, and we do it sometimes accidentally. We stumble into it, and God have mercy on us when our first conversation isn't with Him. You know what I have found out is when I go to the Lord first, for example, I've got a conflict to resolve with my wife or my children. When I go to the Lord first, I am giving Him, I am yielding to Him the ability to either correct 
me, direct me, redirect me, or instruct me. When I don't give God that opportunity, he's a gentleman, he doesn't force his way in. He goes, oh, you want to have this conversation on your own? Go for it, both. Am I speaking to somebody today? Have you ever said the right thing to the wrong person? When God becomes the first person I say something to, whether good or bad, I'm giving him a chance to either confirm, affirm, augment, or I'm giving him a chance to direct, redirect, correct, and instruct. In other words, God must be your initial sounding board. The first source that I run to for anything, he will do with my speech more than I can do on my very own. So my friend, yes, have good God-entrusted friends and, and, and influences in your life that you can go help me out with this. But man, I'm telling you, there's a fine line between I am murmuring, trash talking, and, and talking to the wrong person versus I've talked about this with the Lord and now I need some healthy advice. Now I need some counsel. Or, you know what? The Lord's already corrected me. I can, I can just go ahead and, and, and put this behind me. I can overlook this thing. By the way, did you know that you can overlook certain things in relationships? Like, I don't know if you have that permission, if you've been given that permission, but let me give you the permission. You don't always have to address every single thing. By the way, if I had a fourth point, the band can come up, but if I, if I had a fourth point... I would also say this. When you say things also matters. I should have, I should have prepared a fourth point today. Because I think you guys liked that one better. You guys were like, wow. What you say, how you say, who you say. That didn't hit you. When you say. But, but I, in my experience with the Lord, this has been a really key thing for when it comes to my words is when I go and I talk to him about it, he also gives me the wisdom as to when I'm supposed to address something. Because there's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in understanding when I approach something. You know when is not a good time to tell your wife that you didn't listen when she asks you to pack the diaper bag when your child has had a blowout. That's not a good time. Um, I understand there's some people here that are visiting outside of Legacy, but I, let me talk, let me have a little culture moment with our Legacy family, okay? Um, just want to kind of give you a little pastoral father of the house kind of moment, if that's okay. You know when is not a good time to talk to me about the temperature of the building? On a Sunday, right when worship starts. I'm just going to tell you that, right? Like, you know when is not a good time to go to somebody and go, um, is there any sin in your life? and trying to figure out why they are dealing with this or that when their child's in the hospital. 
Like, you, you know when's not a good time to approach somebody and tell them, I've got beef with you. That's both wrong in the how and the what and the when. Are you, are you, capture, are you, are you catching what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying here? And, and, and the reason why I'm having these cultural moments with us is because here's my heart. I want us to build a healthy and robust community that will withstand the test of time. Because relationships will get messy. People are messy. We're going to let one another down. I, I don't, I, maybe you're here and, and like I said last week, you're like, I've been visiting 10 different churches in the last five years. I'll address that with you privately as to why that is. But like, it'll just be a matter of time before I fall off of the, the pedestal you've put me on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you down just like the previous pastor did because I'm a human. But what's going to withstand the, the test of time is when we truly understand through wisdom how to relate in a healthy, robust way. And that means, my friend, we must understand that our words truly do matter. You can tear somebody down with one word or you can build them up with one word. Come on, you know this about yourself. Some of you today need freedom from something that somebody said over you. And guess what? That person doesn't even remember they said that, but you've been bound by it for years. Right? And there's some of you that are where you are today because somebody with one word, one phrase built you up in such a way that they believed in you. I mean, I'll never forget. I will never forget. I was 20 years old in the middle of Bible college. I went to Bible college because there was no math classes. That was my spiritual reason. And this great man in the faith, whom I had admired my entire life, had failed royally. And I was left to kind of clean up the mess in the church as a 20-year-old punk Bible college kid that was about to get married. And I'll never forget, there was a man named Randy Ziegler who has now passed away. And he looked me dead on in the eyes and he said, I believe in you. He was an old Marine vet, had half of his face missing. I kid you not, am I right? So he'd take out this like prosthetic thing out of his throat and talk like this. He's like, I believe in you. And as a 20 year old kid, it changed the trajectory of my life. What will your words do to people around you? Will they bring life? Will they bring death? I want to end with this. Genesis 3, 9 through 11. It kind of seems a little bit weird for me to bring this up, but just track with me. Adam and Eve have been given everything at their disposal but one thing. And they go after the one thing that they weren't supposed to go after. And now they're hiding from God. Also, by the way, there's so much in Genesis for us to learn. Here we are, thousands of years later, still trying to hide from a God that sees all things. 
The Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Even though he knew it, because that's a rhetorical question. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Look at this. Because I was naked and I hid myself. And God responds, Who told you that? Why is this so important? Because you can hear what God says or what the enemy says. Who I go to, who I talk to matters. And some of y'all have been going to the wrong source and God's going, who told you that? Because it wasn't me. Who told you that about your spouse? Who told you that about yourself? Who told you that about your friends, about your co-workers, about your, your neighbors? Who told you that about your children? Who told you? My friend, when it comes to our words, we must consider who we're running to as a source. Because we can use our mind in a way that will be corrupt. And it will be corrupt by bad sources. And bad sources will take us into the wrong direction. This is why Paul in the book of Corinthians says a really harsh reality. Even bad company can corrupt good morals. So this is what we're going to do today. We're going to turn to him. Are you with me? We're going to turn to him. We're going to understand that our words matter. That what we say matters. How we say it matters. Who we say it to matters. We're throwing in that additional little point in there that when we say things matters. So this is what we're going to do today. We're going to end today's service a little differently than what we usually do. I'm going to have you have a quiet moment of reflection. There's not going to be a song. We're not going to sing. They're just going to play in the background. And I just want you to right there in the stillness of your chair. I want you to just have a moment with the Lord. And as you have that moment of reflection, I'm going to trust that he's going to talk to you about some things. I want you to open up your ears. I want you to open up even just your, your understanding to go, God, I'm, I'm willing, I'm curious to see what you've got to say. And in that, if at any point you need prayer or need somebody to pray with you, you can head over to the prayer corner. We've got two wonderful, beautiful people back there, Sue and Warren, ready to pray with you. And then there's also communion tables over here. If you at any time want to come and celebrate and remember and commemorate the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, the fact that none of this would even be possible without that, you can do that. But I'm going to give us about five minutes. We're going to just do that and respond individually, quietly. And I'll come up, I'll pray for us and dismiss us, okay? Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.